Startup Grind Columbus is a monthly event to educate and inspire entrepreneurs. We actively live Startup Grind's global community values of give first, help others, and make friends. Startup Grind Columbus is made possible by our lead partners, AWH, builders of exceptional digital products that drive business for growth companies and Rev1 Ventures. Visit startupgrind.com Columbus to see a list of upcoming events and to see videos from our past events. Now, onto this month's event podcast. All right, so we're going to get started. This is Startup Grind. We get together once a month, typically the first or the second Monday of every month here at Rev1 to talk with an entrepreneur, investor, somebody important to the startup ecosystem. We have some sponsors to thank, people to thank, Rev1 for letting us come in and take over on Monday nights and do this. GBQ, Rick is here from GBQ somewhere. Rick, where are you? Rick is in the back waving. He's the guy that looks like he'd be from an accounting firm, and he is. So um, if you need tax, audit, other stuff like that, thank you for turning the music down, by the way, or at least trying. Yes, thank you. So there's a cameo from Derek there turning the music down. Everybody say hi, Derek. So GBQ, accounting, tax, audit, fraud. I think of the things that they do. If you need help with that stuff, talk with Rick. Alex Brown is here from Dickinson Wright. Alex will help you stay out of trouble legally. So if you're in trouble, um, probably go talk to him too. Maybe he can help get you out of trouble. But in theory, he's going to help you stay out of trouble. Rave Creative. Tobias, is Tobias here? I haven't seen him yet. Um, Rave Creative is a design branding firm. Alex, come on up, Alex. I was actually, I was waiting for you. And then, yeah. And so we'll get back to the sponsor. So this is Alex Portell from Lumos, accelerator in town. Paul Singh is here too. So I wanted to give them a chance to sort of talk about Paul being here, what's happening this week, some open office hours. Paul's apparently living out of some sort of camper. And I've heard, already heard that you have a big dog with it. You can come up. It's okay. You know, don't be bashful. Uh, so why don't you guys talk about what you're doing and, and who Paul is and how people should and why people should care. Sure. So I'm Alex Bertel. Uh We're on Lumos Accelerator. We're in the last week of our curriculum. Uh, we're not really doing a demo day to kind of blow it out like normal accelerators do. We're really focused on traction and sales for most of our companies. And Paul happens to like a lot of traction and sales. So Paul's going around the country um, in his camper, it's a giant, uh, giant, shiny airstream going to small towns across the country, showcasing that there are great deals in smaller cities. So, Paul, small towns? What's, what's this small town <laughs> crap? I mean, we're 800,000. That's the biggest city you've been to, right? It's Columbus. Okay, yeah. all right. So, it's, Paul's goal is to meet as many companies as he can, based out of Lumos this week. Office hours, I think we're closed up on office hours, but we're getting such a large demand. I think we're going to do a pitch night probably Wednesday. So I'll circulate that uh, after this. Uh, Paul, I don't know if you want to yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Um, so my name's Paul Singh, and I'm a blood-sucking capitalist. Uh, I also drive a truck full-time. So, so the thought of this was, or the idea behind this all was, um, I was a founder before. Um, if you actually come to the other events, I'll tell you more about my background. But long story short, I was a bricklayer and a car salesman about 20 years ago. Uh, learned how to code, sold my first company in 2004, my second one in 2009. Started angel investing in 2009, uh, and then co-founded a venture firm in 2010 called 500 Startups. Um, spent the next five years sitting on airplanes. I raised 12 funds, um, invested a little over 1,700 companies, and then decided that it was actually much more interesting to kind of go to the places where companies actually start. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever been to San Francisco or D.C. or New York, you find out very quickly that nobody's from those places, right? I mean, for anybody that's actually ever gone there, that's what it is. And so two things were true. That was one of them. And then the other part was I never got to see my family. And so late last year, sort of kind of went through the logistics, and, and uh, everybody always talks about our dog. We've got this 120-pound white lab that goes everywhere with us. But the best way for me to, like, spend time with my family but also go to where the startups were to, was to get an Airstream, that's another story in of itself. But anyway, so Dana, my better half, and my business partner's back here. And the three of us with the dog travel around. And then we try to bring investors with us uh, to other places. So here tonight, I think we've got Ed Pizzarello somewhere back there somewhere. So the point of this was this year, we decided to go to 41 cities. So this is our 40th city where we've lived for a week at a time. 
The Airstream's not bad, actually. You guys can come check it out if you want. But uh, that's it. You know, ultimately, what we're trying to do is just go to places where these companies start. We're obviously investing along the way, uh, but we're trying to do as many things as we can for the ecosystem. Um, office hours, we're doing workshops this week for aspiring entrepreneurs. We've got um, meetings with, I think, investors and all sorts of stuff. And so Columbus is the biggest city on the tour. To be honest, I just kind of wanted to go here or come here again. I hadn't been here in three years, I think, for 10x. So anyway, that's it. I can tell you more about it if you want, but the point is... Uh, I'm just try trying to hang out where companies start, and we're just trying to invest uh, in as many of them as we can, and yeah. So I live in a trailer across from his office, actually. So anyway, thanks for having me, and thanks for letting me hang out, and thanks for the beer. So Alex will circulate a, a sign-up and more information about the pitch event um, Wednesday night if they end up doing that. So rest of the sponsors, King Memory, Daryl, big supporter of Startup Grind from the beginning, attendee became a sponsor. Daryl, are you still looking for developers? And data analysts for his company, King Memory. So talk to Daryl if you are one of those people or know one of those people. Our firm, AWH, we're a software development digital products firm. You can talk to us about building products. Laurel Ventures, this is, for those that haven't heard this story, Errol D'Souza is an angel investor in town. Came to Startup Grind, liked it, would hug me every time, and, and this is the wor worst sales pitch ever to get a sponsor. I, I said, hey, since you're coming all the time, why don't you just sponsor? And he said, sure. And two days later, I had a check. So Errol's really super cool guy, really supportive of Startup Grind and, and the community. I think that covers the bases from a, star uh, a sponsor perspective. So we have, uh, so what's happening in, in with Startup Grind this month globally is something we're calling Startup Grind 150. So there's 150 events. Why, Keto, why are you smiling at me? Are they, they're a little short? Is that better? Is that better? The hipster roll up the cuffs at the bottom thing was not working? Okay. Well, so nobody wants to know this, but I actually think that I've discovered that my left leg is like a quarter of an inch longer than my right leg because all of my pants fit weird like that now. So thanks for pointing it out to everybody. Before it was just going to be something that only you and I knew about. So Startup Grind, 150 events around the world happening in November. That is like tremendous collaboration and impact that's happening across the globe. And it's really a result of this guy starting, building, evolving, and leading the organization to being 200 plus chapters around the world. Please help me welcome Derek Anderson, founder and CEO of Startup Grind. <laughs> Let's look at your pants before you sit down. You're, I think they look all right. Thank you. My wife bought them. Super proud of that. So, How's everybody doing? Good to be back in a red state. Whoa, whoa, too soon, too soon. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't get emotionally invested in politics because I have three kids, and that's my politics. And uh, so, you so when I'm, when you I'm with Republicans, I rip on the Democrats. When I'm with uh, Democrats, I rip on the Republicans. And, and then I vote for my parents at the election. I voted for my mom and dad. Uh, as president, but they didn't win. We didn't get enough. We just didn't get enough grassroots uh, movement. So, uh, anyways, I shouldn't bring up politics at all. But no, we're crazy. Like we're all really talking about Ohio start, right now. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about something more fun. So let's talk about Startup Grind 150. Yeah, do you see all, all the questions I have? You were asking me how many questions yeah, I had. Yeah. And uh, so we're gonna have to move fast. So did you ever think that Startup Grind would get to this point? Right, 200 plus chapters, thousands and thousands of people, big global conference now, 150 events happening in one, one, one month around the world. Pretty cool. Well, Startup Grind is the only thing I never tried to make successful. And it's the only thing people ever liked. It's kind of funny how that works. And it just, this whole thing was just a huge accident, honestly. And uh, I, um, I started my career at Electronic Arts, working in product marketing, working on video games. And um, I left in 2009 and just started building stuff. And the only thing consistent about what I would build was that every six months, 
I would feel more spectacularly than the previous uh, thing six months before. And then we just started hosting Starvegrind for fun, just BSing with my friends. And, um, and that turned out to be the thing. So. so why were you of the friends that were BSing and, and going through entrepreneur therapy together? Why were you the guy that, that ran with it? Um, you know, I, I think with these communities, like a lot of it's just really grueling, dirty, hard work. And um, like, like all of your startups, but specifically with events because it, you can just get burned out so easily. And um, I'm like not, I am by far not the smartest person you've ever met. I, I am by far um, not the most strategic person you've ever met. But you are the best looking. I'm one of them, this like this incredible combination of, I'm not even gonna say it. So, uh, but like I'm, I work pretty hard and it's unlikely you'll be able to, to outwork me. And so I think with the business that we're in, with the community building business that we're in, and like I, like I will not give up. Like I, like I will hold my breath way longer than you hold your breath. I don't know if that's good. I will like, I'll die. I will die before you will survive and you will go on to have a nice life and I will be at the bottom of the pool. But I, I will alas just about anybody. That's kind of, that's what I feel like is one of my gifts. And so in this, that's I think part of why we have survived where a lot of these other groups just get tired. They just get exhausted. And you, if you're doing, who was I talking to earlier? Um, Anthony and Josh made me. What? Yeah, Brian. Brian. Where, he was Brian? over there. Brian from Brian Zerker. Where where'd you go? Where is he? There he yeah, is. Yeah, Brian. So I was talking to Brian. I mean he's done like he's done events for six years. That's almost unheard of. I don't I, don't, I can't really think of anybody who's been able to sustain it that long. And I asked him, How did you how have you done that? And it's a that's a real testament that he's been able to do that and that Columbus has been able to have that for so long. And what you've been doing here for, you know, three plus years is just incredible. And so uh, we're grinders. We're we're you know we do the dirty work, and um, that's what entrepreneurship's all about. It's about doing it when nobody cares what you do and doing that a thousand times. No one cares what you're working on but your mom and your dad and one of your sisters. And no one else could freaking care less about your great idea unless you make it happen. And you have to deal with that every single day, year after year after year. And my experience is that everybody eventually gets a shot if you just stay at it long enough, you will get a chance. It doesn't mean you will grab it. doesn't mean you'll run with it. But it, in my experience, every single person at some point gets to jump on the merry-go-round and give it a shot. And Startup Grind has been my shot. And I fell on my face dozens of times before that. And so I can speak to the fact that you own every aspect of the company. You're the, the, the in charge of the product or on the platform. You look at every chapter email that goes out. I know because I sent a pretty, a kind of a funny one last week in advance of this, and, and Derek's response was LOL. I think it was something like, what do Steve Blank, Eric Schmidt, and Dave McClure's, or I picked another VC, all have in common? They all I yelled at me it, at some point or another. That's actually true, sort of. How did you Yeah, I don't know Blank? why you're all here. Hopefully, the marketing was a little misleading, I think. If you guys, did he tell you I had a bag full of money that I'm giving out at the end or something? Or I don't know. What? Is that it? I'm taking everyone to the basketball game after this is over. Is that what it is? Because we're not going to NC State or whatever, whoever they're playing tonight. Is anyone going to that, by the way? Do you guys go to the... No, no one. Everyone's going back to work on their companies. Okay. Sorry. Okay, go ahead, Ryan. No one, no one that comes to Startup Grind likes sports. Yeah. In, sure. You know, I'm just going to make a broad statement. That's a YC thing, actually, right? Like, Paul Graham says, if you want to talk about sports, you'll get banned from Hacker News, you know, so... You, you're right, we can't talk about sports in, in startups, so I won't talk about it. So do you think every entrepreneur needs to own every aspect of the company as you own every aspect of Startup Grind? Well, I, you know, in the beginning, yeah, you do everything. You do, as somebody said tonight, I think it was Anthony or somebody said, I take out the trash. You know, it's like, yeah, like I can relate to that. I worked in my garage for a year and a half. I, I quit EA. I thought I was going to be on the cover of Inc. within 12 months. Um, Wait, who did you? Why are you laughing at, at that? Somebody didn't believe that. <laughs> Melissa, was that you? It is laughable. It is laughable. But I thought, hey, I was successful at EA. You know, I, I performed well. I was in the top 2% of 10,000 employees, working 110% of my time. 
And then I said, I want to work on my own ideas. I, I got this, I learned, this is corporate America, is that I realized if I work 70% of my time, I still was like in the top 10% because no one works hard, corporate America, or at least at EA. And so, if you're in corporate America right now and you're here, you're excluded from this conversation. No, you're, you're exactly what I'm talking about. If, <laughs> if you're in corporate America and you're here, you're probably still doing great at your job, but you're here or you like took the day off and they think you're doing amazing things. And you're really like, just, how do I get out of there? I hate that place. <sighs> my wife won't let me leave. I got my kids, man. I got my kids. <laughs> That's how it was. I, I, I took me two years to convince my wife to quit my job. And I was working on my ideas for a long time, and then she, we had our first child. And then six weeks later, after I knew he was safe, I quit. It's a really good time to quit. So it was 2009, summer of 2009, right in the middle of recession. So is, so is that the threshold? Brilliant. Smart dude right here. <laughs> so is that the threshold of when a child is now safe in the world six weeks? <laughs> is it at that point that you can just sort of move on? In my, rea my distortion field, yes. Yeah, that... That, as a first-time father, yes, that seemed like the safe period to me. So running a global community is, because I've seen it firsthand, is equal parts babysitter, motivator, cheerleader, and, and so how do, you say, how do you stay sane with all of these different people sort of tugging at different aspects of the business and you Right, and wanting different things all at the same time. Well, there are always things that are going to affect. When I started, I had, I had like dreadlocks like my guy back there in the back. Yeah, I had hair like that before when I started, and now, you know, six years later, look what's happened. Look what's happened. And, uh, but, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't like, I just, I'm, I'm an optimist. Like, I, I don't like to complain. I think, like, I lived, I've lived outside the U.S. for eight years of my life, and we just have it so easy. It's so easy here. I mean, gosh. You live in Columbus, Ohio. Are you kidding me? It's so easy here. I was walking around. I mean, it's so beautiful. Everyone's, ha everyone's nice. Everyone's smiling. It's like, a, that's crazy. Everyone smiles. And, um, but, you know, we live in America. I mean, it, it, there's just so many other places we could be where life could be so much more difficult. My startup failed. Who freaking cares? Honestly, like, I don't care. Like, as long as my wife loves me and my kids love me, like, I, like, this is all, this is all, it's, this doesn't, it just, so I don't, I don't get that I try not to get that stress out. When we go do something really crazy, like I just, I'm always kind of just even. Like I'll send a, you know, I'll send an email and I'll, I'll get a little bit like this, but I'm mostly just always like this. And Except for that one Slack message that I saw to a director in the, in the southern part of the country. Well, I won't mention any names because that would be inappropriate. She deserved that. <laughs> but, but, you know, one thing that I've learned is you never yell at a volunteer. If you're trying to build communities... You, ne you never, ever, ever yell to volunteer, or you won't have many volunteers. I'm already, I'm losing people. I'm, dang it. <laughs> Not a volunteer. Uh, sorry. It just wasn't that good. I couldn't stick around. So, you know, you just, like, so when you deal with people all around the world, that's one common thing. I've only ever really yelled at one volunteer, and he, like, stole money. So I thought he deserved it, and then we never worked with him again. But other than that, like, it's just a, it's a, it's all about patience. It's about, it is about motivating. It is about bringing people together. We're trying to build a movement. So if you want to lead a movement, if you want to build, grow and build a movement, you've got to find early missionaries who are going to go out and spread the word and kind of believe in something that you think can exist but doesn't. And those were our first 20 or 30 cities. We begged everyone, I, everyone that came to my events that was from a place not in Silicon Valley, I begged to do Startup Grind. Evidenced by one guy I just talked to over here. He said, hey, do you remember me? We met four years ago. I was like, well, remind me. He's like, you begged me to do Columbus startup grind. It's like, okay, yeah. Well, I begged a lot of people to do startup grind. But, you know, the early people, they get it. They see it. And then, you know, down the road, Google gets involved. And down the road, you get 30 or 40 cities. And down the road, you do 150 events in a month. These things, like, in the beginning, you just got to find those core believers and do everything you can to make their lives better. And um, you talk to them every day if you have to. It's not about scaling. Paul Graham says that too. It's not about scalable processes. It's just about, it's just about building something that people like and that makes their lives better. And that's what we always said. How do we make people like Ryan's lives better every single day in the garage? And things will probably just work out. And they did. So talk about some of the early days, right? You're working out of, uh, out of a garage, right? And, it's, and 
you're even having to sort of cajole people to join the team at HQ, right? And saying, hey, we, you, I think you're gonna work on something cool and we think this is gonna go somewhere. We think we're doing a movement, but shit, we don't know. We've got, you know, we've got like 20 chapters out there that we're trying to, you know, coalesce. Yeah, I came out of EA. I had this startup that I was working on. I was gonna, my friend was gonna quit. He didn't quit, so then it was just me. And I realized like I hated what I was working on. So then I started working in my friend's startup and then working on a startup on the side. And then the day after the iPad, like six months later, the iPad came out. I was brainstorming with an angel investor, and he like gave me $250,000 to go build an iPad app that we brainstormed together. And I did that and, and built that for nine months, and then that like failed really hard. Like, really, like we lost all the money. We launched, we shipped, but it was just the, there's like one really important thing when you build a game. Maybe you can learn this from me. What do you think, what, what is that? What's the most, the only thing that matters with the game? That it's fun. Yeah, our game was not fun. And, uh, and so we did that, and that, that failed, and I felt really bad for myself for about three weeks, and I've been an entrepreneur for a year, and then we launched another thing. We launched a social network for professionals that we thought was this revolutionary idea that people would want to network together on our platform. LinkedIn, when we started, had 50 million users. When we finished, they had 150 million. Uh, so I really timed that one well. Um, you, so you, you drove growth, growth for them. Good job. <laughs> I drove growth. I, man, actually, LinkedIn's not that bad. Have you seen this new thing? It sucks. So we did that, and then we were do, hosting Startup Grind the whole time, and, uh, and people started coming, and it was nine or 10 people at the beginning, and then it was 15, and then 10, and then about six months in, four people showed up. This was right as my game failed, and I got in the car that night, and I said, what a freaking waste of time no one cares about this, like I need to be focused on one thing, I can't, I'm distracted by startup grind, hosting a meetup every month. And um, for whatever reason, I don't really know why, honestly, I hope someday in the next life, uh, if there is a next life, that I can see, I can like go back and watch this moment and get inside my head, just see, because I don't really know why I kept going other than I said, I'm gonna actually try like, I'm going to really put effort into this for two more events. And if nothing happens, I will shut it down. And six weeks later, we had an event, and 45 people showed up. I didn't know any of them. And then the next one, 55 people showed up. And it was like, people liked it. And we made all these friends. And a couple months later, um, we like, we, it, the, my office was like full. It was like, reminded me, like, if the fire broke out in there, it was, like, going to be on the news, like, 55 people died in a Silicon Valley startup office today when the fire broke out and no one could get out the door. And, like, we then hijacked this, like, room in our complex, like, and I, we, like, snuck the chairs in and hoped the landlord wouldn't come. We, like, got a key to it and, like, quickly got everyone out afterwards because we were going to get evicted if he found us in there. And then, like, 80 people showed up, and then the next month, like, 100 people showed up, and it just, like, had this momentum. And so fast forward like another year, like this is another thing. So like two years after hosting Startup Grind for fun, it starts to show promise. And that's one thing as entrepreneurs that we don't think enough about, and that's time. Do you have time? Does your spouse have time? Does my bank account have time? Does, have I, do my customers have time to really look at this and make a real decision? We want to get six, we want success now, 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 right? You're always like, being an entrepreneur is like the most selfish job you can ever pick. You're always thinking about yourself and your problems, right? You have huge problems. It's all about you. And so, like, what we need to do as entrepreneurs, and, and what I got lucky with with Startup Grind was these other things were happening. That created enough time for the idea and for us. Every month we were iterating. We tried new things every month. And then we finally found this fireside chat format by pure accident, a speaker named Jason Calacanis. I got him to agree to speak. I cold emailed him. He said, I'll, I'll come, but do you guys know who this person is? He said, I'll come, but you just have to interview me, and then I'm going to leave. I'm going to show up. You're going to interview me, and then you, I'm going to leave. All right, Jason, whatever. Cool. That's exactly what we wanted to do. And so he showed up. We interviewed him, and people really liked it. And it was personal. and It wasn't a sales pitch. And you know, and we learned something from it. And so we were like, let's just do that from now on. That worked. It took us a year to get to that. 12 events. And then took another six months before it was like really humming, like 500 people RSVPing to the events. And we weren't keeping lists. They just, people just showed up. And, um, and then I had this experience, again, like after now like 20 events. 
this guy one time, we had the same setup, so we're getting like a lot, we're getting, you know, hundreds of people coming. And then one time, the beginning of the event, it hasn't even started yet, this guy walks in, walks over to the Domino's Pizza, which is like the crappiest, cheapest pizza you can buy, because that's all we could afford, and he walked over and he stacked eight pieces high on his plate, and then he walked out. <laughs> I was like, first I was like, what a freaking dick, first of all. And then I was like, I had this epiphany. It was like, wait, I haven't created a community. This is like a startup homeless shelter. <laughs> because why else would you come and get Domino's pizza if you were, unless you were starving? Like, he doesn't like Domino's? I love Domino's. It's so good. But then, so, so I said, that's it. Like, what do we do to keep this guy from coming back? And so we decided to charge. And so we said, we'll put, a, we'll put $10, $20 price tag on it. And that, he will not come because he'll just go buy a $5 pizza instead if he's really that hungry. And I said, no one wants to come back. It'd just be me and my friends, whatever. I don't even care. And the next event, it was crazy. 60% of the people showed up, but they paid. And most importantly, it was the highest quality 60%. And it was like the best event we'd ever had. And I didn't lose money. Because that made it great too. And, and we just kind of, like we learn, you learn this stuff as you go. You know, I never would have guessed. I, would n I am famous for saying that Startup Grind will never make a dollar. I'm famous for saying that very early on. And, and I, no one's gotten rich, but it's certainly made more than a dollar. And it's grown to be this, this thing. And so I'm just saying you don't really know. Like, people always talk about vision. And the vision, like, if, like I know now that we want to educate every entrepreneur in the world. There are 400 million entrepreneurs. I know that because my eyes have been opened to the, to the potential of it. But I didn't understand that in the beginning. We're just solving our own problem, right? And so you need time to learn and understand what, is, what can happen, what the opportunity is. And now, six years later, seven years later, I've spent five years in this space, and I don't, I don't know anything about anything, but I've spent five years only thinking about this one thing, like the startup space, and I'm, by default, one of the most knowledgeable people in the world on this space. Not because I'm smart, not because I like ever like, it was my passion, just because like that's what found me. So like that, so like, but I'm saying like, it took me five years, you know, it's 10,000 hours thing or whatever. Like lawyers, you know, they go to school for seven years to become lawyers. And then doctors go to school for eight years to become doctors. And as entrepreneurs, we think like, it's just gonna work in the first 12 months. It doesn't, sorry, FYI. Like, you suck, and your startup sucks worse. And the only thing that's going to save you is if you can figure out how to survive long enough to figure out what the heck you're doing. And most of you won't. Where will you be in five or ten years? I hope we're back here in this room when I come back, hopefully sooner than five or ten years. But we'll see you again. That This is the thing. Like, where are you going to be in ten years? Think about that. Are you going to be rich on a beach somewhere? hopefully next to me and my family with the house there in the North Shore, just right in between pipes and sunset. Yeah, maybe. But no, like, what are you going to do? Well, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be here. I want to keep building. That's my drive. I want to build. So let's figure out a way to survive and sustain ourselves and help our families long enough to be here in 10 years from now. That's my goal. So I don't know. I don't know what your goal is. Where's Jimmy? Jimmy. Jimmy, where are did Jimmy, did Jimmy leave? Did he have to leave? He's the speaker for next month, and he came tonight. He really loved. You, it really resonated right. with him. He's what I was really saying. pissed her off, right? But I was just gonna say that he sunk deep our, our, into his soul. Uh, you know, he probably left because he just drove attendance down because yeah, he, he, he was worried. He was worried. Yeah, he was worried about. Yeah, gonna be out of it's business. Gonna, yeah, um, yeah. He took right, the he pizza probably, and he right. left. Yeah, um, took two pieces, two boxes, and went to feed his employees. So you do get to interview a lot of interesting, powerful people, right, and hang out with them. You get to ride around with Steve, Steve Case on his bus, you know, the Rise of the Rest tour. So people are going to perceive that you're an expert or you know some shit. What do you know? Do you know, do you know anything? Or do you, or do you just talk to people and you, you can talk what head. they say? Just a lot of talk. A lot of talk right here. Yeah. Big talker. Yeah. That answer your question? Do you know anything? <laughs> um, I know how to survive seven years as an entrepreneur. I know how to bootstrap a company to 
thousands of employees. I know how to say no to a VC. That's like the coolest thing ever. Telling a VC you don't want their money, oh, there's nothing that gets them more than that. Where's Paul? Is he still here? No, he left too. He was real. Oh, there's Paul. Hey, Paul. It's nothing that burns a VC more than saying, I don't want your money, right? Tell me. Tell me it's true. Be honest. Yeah, okay, good. That's all. That's it. Don't say anything else because you're going to contradict <laughs> me. Um, no, I don't know. You know, like, I've just navigated my way through things. I don't know what I know. I know how to make friends really good. I moved around in 10 schools in 10 years growing up, and I learned that every year, if I didn't make friends in the first week or two, I would just be sad. So I learned how to make friends. And I've learned that with people in technology, they're very busy, and their time is really valuable. And I've learned that if I try to become friends with them through respecting their time, I can cold email almost anybody. We could, this, this may or may not be interesting. If this is interesting, maybe something you can learn. Uh, that I could share is about cold emails. Does any, uh, like, almost every speaker I get is from a cold email. I can get an hour of time with almost anybody. And the things that I do, this has come over a lot of, lot, a lot of practice. Like, you know, just, and as you're trying to meet with VCs, you're trying to meet with entrepreneurs, people that are important, like value, valuing somebody's time, taking a 30 minute meeting with somebody and only taking 20 minutes and like giving them 10 minutes back and trying to bank it towards something in the future. Sending a thoughtful gift to somebody, like not like a bottle of wine. That's not a thoughtful gift. Uh, that's an easy gift. Something that actually means something to them. Um, like, you know, we, we had this speaker who, you know, is a big World of, War World of Warcraft guy. And we would always get him this World of Warcraft stuff when he'd speak. It's like not that thoughtful. But like you'd be surprised. He was like thought it was the coolest gift he ever got. And we bought it on sale at Target or something. You know, uh, you know. Send emails to, to important people between the hours of midnight and 2 on Tuesday or Thursday evenings because they're probably on their phones or on their emails, and they're probably not getting as much email as they usually do. And uh, that's all I got. What else you got? So now that I'm interviewing you, who would you like to interview you moving forward? Who, who would you have a, a really interesting conversation with that would interview you about the Startup Grind journey? I've never thought about that, but I have thought about who I would like to interview. Well, that wasn't the question. Yeah, but I think it's a better question. <laughs> um, my top list of people to interview... I really, I really want to interview. Just so everyone knows, I also had that as a question. So I don't want it to seem like, you know, like you're the only one that knows how to conduct an, an interview with good questions. I also had that as a question. Sure. After I said it in front of the whole group, right. and now you've also had that question. Right. Whatever, no, however right. you sleep, man. It's cool. Yeah, this. Um, Ryan's awesome. Can we give it up for Ryan for everything that he's done and the team and the amazing team? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable what they've done and, and to help kind of build and reinforce and educate entrepreneurs. It's really amazing. It's one, this is one of our best chapters in the world. I'm not just saying that. I don't, go, I don't say that usually. So, um, but we've just been just amazing what you guys have done. So. I appreciate you saying that. Thanks. So, he, so you didn't come just because I've nagged you for the last year to come? It was, so the truth be told, at the conference last year, you and I were having a conversation as part of the director meetings. We were talking about something, and I don't know, I just kept saying, just keep telling the directors to be consistent, right? Keep it simple and be consistent. Your wife, Erica, walks up, right? And she overhears what we're talking about. And so to tell you who really runs the show at Startup Grind, Erica walks up, overhears this conversation, and she says, you've got to have him talk tomorrow morning. You've got to have him get up in front of the directors tomorrow morning and say, keep it simple, be consistent, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, so I think Erica was really the one that sort of said, you need to like go to Columbus and engage there and be part of what's happening there. Well, your spouse is honestly like, or your significant other is like the unsung hero of entrepreneurship. In most cases, like, like my wife is the best co-founder I've ever had by far. No disrespect to Joel, but you know she could say in a minute like we're not doing this, and that would be it. There's this book by Clay Christensen called How to How Will You Measure Your Life. Has anybody read this book? Okay, if you don't take anything from this, write this down in your notes application or something. How will you measure your life? And he went to Harvard, he's a Harvard Business School professor, and he went back to his reunion 20 or 30 years later, and he, and, and he was like watching these people he went to school with. These are like the 
smartest people in the world. And a guy that he went to school with was, uh, was uh, among others, Jeffrey Skilling, Jeff Skilling from the CEO of Enron. Has anybody seen that documentary? I just watched it again the other day. Yeah, smartest guys in the room. Yeah. And, um, and then there were other people, and they're coming back five, ten years, and then they stopped coming. Like, oh, what happened to that guy? He's like, oh, well, it's just his life's a mess. You know, he's just ruined everything, and, you know, his kids hate him, and this and that. And, you know, he didn't want to come. He didn't want to face everybody. And these are the smartest people in the world. And what he says is that when they left school, they, they made good decisions, like Innovator Salama. They made good decisions along the way. But the problem is, is those, those seemingly good decisions actually led to things that they never wanted to happen. They thought it would lead to the right things, but it didn't because they weren't focused on the end goal. They're, they'll, I'll just do this, then I'll do this, and then I'll do this. And so what he says is the three things you should focus on in life, which I love, is make sure that your wife doesn't, uh, loves you, make sure your kids don't hate you, and make sure that you don't go to jail. And if you just focus on those three things, like everything else will just kind of work out, okay? And so what I always say is like with your startup, like your startup is for sure going to fail. Like your startup is effed. All of, all of us. All of our startups are screwed. Even you will. No, just kidding. So all of our startups are going to fail. And we can control some of it and we can't control some of it. But you know what we can control? We can control to the point that we can control it. We can control our personal lives. We can, you can pretty much control if your kids are going to hate you or not. In my experience, there are things outside of your control. I don't know. You were talking about six weeks just you know, moving on. So. <laughs> Which six weeks? Oh, my kid? I didn't yeah. move on from children. No, but the, 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 oh, you guys, hey, safe. six weeks, you got it, guys. Hey, I did my part. I was there when it mattered. At the very beginning for a minute and then you know, in the delivery room and then I'm, I'm done. No, um, no, like th those, at the end of the day, like those are the things that like ultimately matter. That's the whole point of doing a startup, at least for me, is like feed my kids. So like if I screw up that, then like what was the point? You know, and as I've met people around the world, this has been from living outside the US and then all these chapters, whether it be, we, we've had five chapters in, in uh, Iran. And I've never had friends in Iran before. And what I've learned about these people is that they're exactly like us. They just want to feed their kids. That's it. Like, yeah, there's some political stuff that gets in the, in the way. You know, there's oil, whatever. That's, that's dumb. But, you know, like it, the basic needs of all of us is that. And so when your startup is bound to fail, just don't forget about your personal life, don't forget, like you can get focused and it's never gonna be fully balanced. And this is the other thing about a startup I've had a really hard time understanding, but your startup will always take priority over your family. And I really battle with that. There, and, and I have long time said that's not true, but your family is more elastic than your startup. Like if you don't do this tonight, your startup, you may not get that deal, which could lead to actually, where your family, you, you can probably like apologize or you, your kids will forgive you one night for not reading stories to them or having dinner with them, and then you can make up for it, you know? But at the end of the day, if you have too many of those moments, you're screwed. And, uh, and this coming from a guy who's in the first inning of his family, come find me in 10 or 15 years, and I say this being that I could end up being a huge hypocrite, but I also say to put me myself on record that, like, I don't want to screw this up. Now all of you know. So if I screw it up, I'm a hypocrite, and I screwed it up. And that's not something I, I want to be in my life. So, Well, one of my favorite parts of, of the global conference when we get together and, and the, the director awards are handed out is your kids getting their awards. It's winning. You love when you win. Well, if I get an award, yes. Yeah. I mean, screw the rest of the bastards. Yeah. I mean, I don't care you if My kids? Else. You're calling them bastards? <laughs> no, the other chapter director. You're sick, no. dude. But, you know. When is this? You've I mean, changed, man. The success has gone to your head, bro. We do have values. Do a few of these interviews. Come on. Right. Jeez. Um, it's the three-year mark. It's just downhill. Well, applications open in Columbus. <laughs> New, <laughs> just kidding. It's not funny. How could he say that about his friend? But isn't, uh, uh, so how, how big of a kick do your kids get out of getting those awards, and how much is Startup Grind a part of your family? Because it seems like the kids know, what, know what's going on. Eric is certainly intimately involved, right? Talk about the mutual sort of impact. You know, we don't have a great basketball team in the Bay Area like you guys have in, in Ohio. But um, 
when I go to a Warriors game, I swear the only thing my kid wants is the free shirt that you get on the on the chair. People will go crazy for a free T-shirt, you know? won't they? Does anybody else's kids do this? Like, am kids, I the only? What about one? the adults? I swear he only wants the shirt, and he just looks at it the whole time. And then I'm like, dude, like, I think like next year in the playoffs, I'm just gonna bring shirts for the couches at our house, and like, put, and I think that will like save me a lot of money. And that's what it's all about: saving money with your kids. Uh, so. Yeah, my kids, like, they love it. They don't know what Starp Grind is, but they, like, they love it, and they're all about it. They are always repping it. We have little kids' shirts. Highly recommend. It's a great investment. Get little kids' shirts for your employees' kids, for your own kids. They wear it to school. They sticker, like, they tattoo stickers everywhere. Starp Grind everything. So, yeah. So why build a product, right? Why build a platform that is Startup Grind's own, versus continue to leverage Eventbrite and some of the products that we were using to affect putting on the events and building the community? Well, I don't build products anymore that my customers don't beg me to build. So I've just made too many mistakes building stuff that I want. So a couple years ago, we just had huge pain inside of our community of how to run our community. And um, so we started just building our own technology with the idea that, like, we're just going to build it for us. It's going to be really expensive, but at least we'll have what we want. And, um, and we could run it for 10 years off this technology. And so we kind of just went in a dungeon for a year and a half and building the product, launching, iterating as we went, but just a lot of just like heads down. It's like an enterprise SaaS product to, to run a global community. It's, but we knew we're the experts in building this because we'd been solving the problem for three or four years. And so... About nine months ago, we launched it inside of our own community. Our poor directors had to guinea pig it and use it. And then I started showing it to other communities, and they started saying, hey, this is really cool. Could we use this for our community? And I said, I don't know. Could you? So we like to. So, well, what would you pay for it? And, you know, I paid this much. So, okay, well, that would make it worth it. So, so we started sharing it with other communities. And our mission to educate every entrepreneur in the world Again, as my mind has been expanded, it's with events, it's with content, it's with you know, us helping them through all these different channels, but one of these channels is now through our technology. And I have you know, so we're some of the biggest entrepreneur organizations in the world who are going to use our technology, and that becomes part of our impact. So that's really cool to me. That helps fulfill the mission that we've been pushing for for like four years. So you built some, some crappy products before Startup Grind, the platform and the product now, and I can say because I use it, is, is pretty solid, and it's continuing to evolve and get better. How did you get better at product? So after I bombed the video game, I was like, I need to get better at product. And so what I did was I started a consulting agency to build products. And then I just went and convinced like 20 people to let me build their products for them and, then, uh, and pay us to do it. And so I got an engineering team, and we just started building products for people. And uh, after building like 20 products, you start to learn a few things. So it was kind of sucked for them because I was learning how to build a product on their stuff. But, you know, we delivered on what we shipped lots and lots of products. And, and then, again, we started looking at customer. We started, I read Four Steps to the Epiphany, another great book from Steve Blank that sort of changed how I looked at the, the startup world. And um, I'm losing them. There's something about Steve Blank. I don't know what it was, but no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay didn't hurt my feelings at all. But uh, yeah, so then we, we just, you know, we just started building our own based on that methodology, lean, product driven, all that kind of stuff. So where does Startup Grind go from here? Is it 400 chapters and, and you know, world domination of some sort that do we, you know, we just bleed every entrepreneur we can of every penny that they have? <laughs> yes, it's, it's, you nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. The, the, the vision's really disseminating well to the troops. Um, bleed the entrepreneur dry. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, like, again, we help 11 million a month. There's 400 million. So it could be, it's going to be more chapters. It's going to be more videos. It's going to be the technology. It's going to be these things. You can't, when your ship starts to get sort of big, you can only move on so many turns. And so you make big bets. You know, and you can't, you can't do everything. I say no to 100 things for everything I say yes to. And um, I think more of those things that we're doing, we're doing, we do these global conferences. You all, we, in February, we host one in Silicon Valley, and we just hosted one in L.A. in September. And, 
uh, we'll, we do one in London and one in Sydney. And so those are ways for us to do it too. So it's sort of more of the same. One of the things that we, that we tried that, that not surprising to you and I, because when we were at, at the conference, um, again, two years ago, the, um, we talked about it and we weren't surprised it didn't work was the mentor platform. But why do, you, why do you think it didn't work? So we put up a mentor platform globally. Lots of mentors signed up. Zero entrepreneurs signed up. And this was to be mentored by some pretty powerful, successful people. And so I have my theory, but I'd like to hear your theory on why do you think entrepreneurs didn't engage and why do entrepreneurs fundamentally not like to be mentored? Well, what happened with that was, was we we decided we want to go solve a problem. And so we surveyed our attendees, and the biggest thing that came up was they needed mentorship. And so we said, well, if that's the problem, we said, well, how much would you pay for it? They said, oh, I'll pay a lot for good mentorship. So we said, okay, let's build that product. And so we built the product, and then it turned out that um, when we went to get those entrepreneurs to pay, none of them wanted to pay for it. And they said, we said, well, what is it worth to meet with this amazing VP at this company that could buy you someday, could become your mentor? What is that worth to you? He's like, I don't know, maybe like 20 bucks a month. We're like, well, this guy could buy your company. Like this could, he's like, yeah, it could, but until he does, like we'll pay you when he does, but <laughs> oh, crap. So, so entrepreneurs need mentorship. Mentors have played a critical role in my life. A great mentor is somebody that's not financially invested in your success, in my opinion. Could be your parents, could be, could be an advisor that you give equity, but that's not really why they're doing it. They're just doing it because they like you, they know you, they want to help you, and then they get to see you over time, and then they can really, that's where you get great insights is over a year, year and a half, two years, three years, four years, and they see you making the decisions you make, and they can really give you great advice. But mentorship is, it's a, it's a really arbitrary thing, and uh, there's lots of companies that do it way better than we ever came close to doing it. But my key learning from that was like, don't try to invent a problem that people want you to solve. And that's what we did. We went and surveyed looking for, on like a product hunt, looking for something to do. And um, versus what we're doing now is really like out of a really dire need that we had that was so bad that I put a, like five or six engineers on it immediately and you can run the math on that of how bad a problem it was. It was an expensive problem that we really need to solve. That's a, and it turns out that really bad pain for us was equally bad pain for other people. But it didn't really matter. We're just building it because we wanted it. So there's a lot of power in that. Same with Starve Grind. Same with a lot of the great, you think of Slack. You know, you hear the story they were building a video game and then they built this tool to be more, to get out of Skype and to be more, effective inside the team, inside the team. That became much better than any games that they built. So I'm going to ask a couple more questions, and then we'll throw it out to, to the group for questions. As you, as you think about moving the company forward, there's, there's a lot of conversation now around entrepreneurs um, being, it being a lonely existence and depression. So uh, you, where do you get support and motivation from? as part of the journey and are you mostly you know positive and and sort of optimistic about the future and when you hit low moments how do you sort of fight through it and overcome it i don't know i'm just as you say that i'm wondering if i've been positive tonight maybe not as positive i try and just be really real with people i like i try to always tell the truth even if it hurts not like mean truth but just honest truth because it's just it's a that's the long game like i, I feel like if you're just honest with people like they'll respect you more in the end. So like, I'm actually a really positive person. I'm almost like, I'm, I don't dwell on negative things. I don't have a lot of negativity in my life. I don't, if employees are negative, like I, they, they leave pretty quickly. We don't want them. You just, you can't, you don't have time and energy for that. I'm, I'm like, I think we are in the early days of entrepreneurship being a global thing. I think these are the good old days. I think when Social Network came out in the fall of 2011, like, that was like this moment where it's like, wow, what we're doing is like, I quit my job because I just thought it was the right thing to do. And then it's like, wow, it's this thing. And now, five years later, it's even more, I mean, it just grows and grows. The momentum grows and grows and grows. So I, it's such an amazing time to be alive. I mean, again, think of where we are, what we're doing. Think of what we could be doing. Think of the careers we could have. Think of the places we could be. Wow. It's amazing. 
you know? So I, I'm so optimistic. I, I, I just, I go to bed every night late. I wake up early every morning and every minute I'm not with my kids, I'm, I'm cranking because, and because I'm having fun, not because I have to, just because it's great. So you see a lot of places, you see a lot of communities and ecosystems. What, um, what makes, yeah, I know. So, you know, there are some in town that say ecosystem is a, is, has become a bad word, and some people don't like ecosystem as a term. Well, but, you just lost two people when you said ecosystem. Yeah, so, so apparently it is a bad term. It's not good. Um, scratch that off the list. You, people you, should be, you, like, cities like Columbus should be authentic to who you are. So I do this thing with Steve Case in his Rise of the Rest. Has anybody heard of that? Okay, so he takes a bus, goes from city to city across the United States, and he, he's, he meets with entrepreneurs and meets different people in the city, and then at the end of the day, he gives away 100 grand of his own money. There's no agenda. He's not, people are like, does he want to be president? He's like, no, there's no agenda. He's just like, wants to like promote entrepreneurship in these smaller markets. And um, what I have learned is like the best ones, it has nothing to do with size. It has to do with people being comfortable with who they are. That's my big, or there's so many takeaways from this last week, but like authenticity really matters. Like, even if you're a scumbag, like, at least we know what you are. And, like, there's some comfort in that, a weird comfort. But, like, at least I pretty much know what you're going to do. Versus, like, you seem like a really nice person probably, but, like, you may be somebody completely different. I don't know. And, like, that kind of, like, you see this with cities where, like, they know who they are. And they know what their strengths are, and they're comfortable with that. They're comfortable in their own skin. And I don't know Columbus well enough to know if you are or not. Very, very good chance you're not, but I, I, I just honestly don't know. I think, um, we're, I think we're growing into our skin. Okay, so you're still not comfortable in your own skin. So, like, figure out what you're great at, and then just be, be happy with that. And just go deep, go hard on that thing, those things, right? Like, you got Ohio State right here. Like, how many cities can say that, you know? I mean, I don't know. Is that like, what? Uh, only one city <laughs> can say can that. Say they have Ohio State. Right. Well, well played. There's Todd. a few OSUs, but there's only one Ohio State. Well, and, and speaking of that, and before we get to the questions, yeah. because I can't let I, I want you to be in the video wearing proper gear, especially since we're, we've now gone up to Big Ten school. We, we we've gone up to number two in the rankings again. So, um, we've got you know, a Buckeye hoodie, a Buckeye necklace. A cool cap, and it, and so now you have to, you have to share too. I was gonna say, Derek messaged me and said, "Hey, I need to stop and get some some Buckeye stuff for for my two boys before I go back." So I I shot them some places and some addresses. So hopefully hopefully you didn't uh, drop as much as I dropped on that hoodie and that hat. Um, otherwise, your kids are living pretty good. You're welcome. So now, so uh, now, when the Buckeyes play in the national championship game against Alabama, you can wear your gear and you can root for. Not going to lose for the Bucks, time, are we? What's, what? Lose? What? what? Hey. Okay, take it off. <laughs> no, I love it. Thank you very much. Um, okay, question. I'm going to stop asking questions. You guys can ask questions. Raise your hand if you have a question for Derek. Darren, who's over here by the doors. Darren, wave your hand real quick so people see you. He he will get you a mic so that we can hear you. How did you get Stephen Blank to yell at you? How did I what? Get Stephen Blank to yell at you. You know, um, actually, uh, I, was, I had this idea of something that we didn't end up doing. And um, he's, he's been a, I, he spoke at my event about four or five years ago. And, you know, I just casually started asking him to, some, for advice, you know, once a quarter or something. And then he became a formal advisor for us, and, which means, like, I email him once a quarter and he responds. It's not anything crazy. But I asked for his help one time and um, to give me advice on something I was working on. And it was the same thing. He was like, you're ma you just said you're making the same mistakes. This is his mentor thing. And he's like, you're making the same mistakes. You're not listening to your customers. You're not talking to them. You're not getting real feedback. They don't actually want this. And he said, he said you come back with 10 checks. Don't cash them. Just get 10 checks and bring them to me, and that's when I'll meet with you again. And I never got them. <laughs> so I haven't met with him since. But it, like, he put me on, like, notice. Like, 
he, it's funny because it was like reading his book and I felt so stupid because I've read his book many times and like he was like you didn't even do the most basic principle you didn't learn anything from all your other failures you're still making the same mistakes and he was right and so I deserved it my name is Greg Koontz howdy hey Greg uh, wanted to ask you what's the what are what are tall tale signs from you know when you're in the hyper growth stage and you've solved a problem but uh, you don't quite know if you're solving more problems or you're venting problems to solve. You know, can you walk me through some of this? Yeah, I, so how painful is the pain? And price to me is always the best pain barometer. How much are you willing to pay? And are you willing to pay pre-order it? You know, you can get people, I was talking to the refill guys tonight who have a really cool thing they're working on. You guys should meet them in their offices. I'm pointing because where are they at? guys here still their office is right back here behind us and we we're talking about like they're just getting started trying to get customers and things what, what would it take to get Budweiser to be a customer what would it take this guy like offer them give them a deal give them like but if, if a big company if a big company wants to buy your crappy software when you only have a few customers and like with all the bad things that you have going on and with all the risk and everything if they go for your product you may be onto something really, really big, you know? And a lot of people say like, hey, don't, don't, don't chase the big guys, let them. But, um, you know, as I've, I've been talking to people about this and, and, and trying to learn more about it, and this is the thing that comes up again and again. Like, if you can, those are the kinds of indicators, like in spite of all the problems you have, like that anybody could figure out with like a 10 minute conversation, if they still wanna buy it, that's real pain, you know? Versus like, yeah, I might use it. I might use your mentor product. I'll pay you 100 bucks a month. Like, okay, write a check. That's the thing Steve told me. You, he's, you know, he always says it, says in his books. Ask them to write a check. Right now, pre-order. You won't cash. You'll put it in an envelope and watch their eyes and watch the pupils dilate. And that's when you get real feedback. And they're like, well, uh, right now? Yeah, right now. You just said you'd pay for it. I won't cash it. I'm not an honest person. That's a new kind of market research. Right? And then it's like, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, you just said, why not? And that's when you start writing, you know? And, um, but if you can get a big customer to pay for it, if your product at its crappy infant stage is better at solving the, a pain, then, you know, and that could be with the consumer or enterprise or whatever, then like the people that have been around for five or 10 or 15 years, you may be onto something really cool. Thank you. I mean, the, I'm just so impressed with that with that lid that I bought you because the 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 light is dancing off the block O. I mean, that is just like that's the flyest hat you've got now. I mean, it's a good look for me. It is a good look for you. Hi, I'm Alex. Hi. Um, hey, so Alex. you were kind of talking about as you grow. I don't think this is on. Um, so, <laughs> so you're talking about how as you grow. Um, you're kind of making more moves towards technology and doing more videos online, things like that. But obviously giving people the ability to sit at home on their ass and watch these videos kind of detracts from the community that is Startup Grind. Do you think there's an authentic way to build that community online as you kind of move in that direction or do you think it's always gonna be the in-person? You know, these, vid vi these kinds of videos are hard to watch. Richard Branson and Elon Musk did a live stream one time on YouTube as part of this huge YouTube promotion. And only about 750,000 people watched it live. These are the two biggest entrepreneurs in the world, okay? And that's always with the biggest company in the world, like marketing it, right? That's always struck me. And, and so, and I, when I was at EA, I did like the YouTube, I launched, helped launch the YouTube channel. And, you know, we're getting 120,000 views a day on these stupid video game clips. <laughs> and um, people just don't, people just have not yet, they don't watch videos like this. They just don't. I can't think of any good examples. You can think of some one-offs, but not systematically where this works. And so I don't lose too much sleep over it. We kind of do what we do. And, but a big part of this is the education part. And then the other part is if you walk, you know, like after this finishes, you should meet somebody. You should try to help somebody. And, you know, we're not going to get 400 million people out to an event. It's just not going to happen. So there's some component of it that becomes digital that, that gives us an impact that we couldn't have otherwise. But for the first two years, all I cared about was chapters. We're going to do this. We're going to be great at this. And no one's going to beat us. And we're going to get to 
50 chapters. And I knew if we got to 50 chapters that probably no one could replace us with what we do. There'd be no point. You should just join us. Start something new like TechCrunch or Pando or whoever, like some big media company. It didn't matter. Like, they should just, like, we would own that. And at 50 chapters, we did own it. And then we're like, oh, we're at 50. Like, maybe we could get to 100. And we did. And then it's like, maybe we get to 100. And then it's like you start to see, like, oh, this could be this. You know, so I think, like, and we could have gotten really sidetracked on the digital. And the, we always filmed. We filmed our, our events as much for the speaker as anyone else because it was a th it's a thoughtful thing to do to say, hey, you can come. And then maybe, like, over the next year or two, a few thousand people will watch this, this clip. So it's a bigger impact for the speaker. You know, I think just focusing on what you can do and then things will come up and we, we just started posting on Medium. In, an intern started this for us in like March and I just thought it was like not a good idea, but like whatever, it's an intern to just do whatever they want. And we have like the fourth biggest medium in the world. And like people read our content way more Medium than they ever did on our blog. Great. That's where you want to read it? Great, go to Medium. Did anybody read that story about that woman who became CMO of a company in Silicon Valley and just got totally scammed by the founders. Did anybody read that story? That was on our Medium channel. New York Times wrote about it. All these people wrote about it. That came from an intern finding that story and getting on our Medium channel. We don't know exactly, but this is again at the point of like, we show up every day. We push as hard as we can every day. And sometimes these things, we just, most of the time it doesn't work. And occasionally like Medium, we get a Medium, you know? And so now we're, we do a lot of work on Medium. But I would have said, no, it's going to be YouTube, it's going to be YouTube, but it turns out that these videos just are really hard to watch. Hi. Uh, you're probably meeting a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, touring all the world and et cetera. Have you seen, I mean, what are some of the trends that you see in terms of startup, uh, how things are moving and what direction they're taking, et cetera? And uh, secondly, are there any generalizations that you have observed in all these successful entrepreneurs? So your question is, are there any trends I see with entrepreneurs and any sort of general th things that entrepreneurs do in terms of like mistakes or things they do well or? Uh, things that they do well and, and that make them successful. Things that they do well. You know, I'm going to just focus on the things that I keep talking about, which every entrepreneur I know fails. That's been every entrepreneur that you that, has, that seems to have been very successful has also had a really rough road getting there. There are occasional geniuses who buck that trend, but they are the exception. Zuckerberg is an exception, big exception. Pat Collison from Stripe, big exception. Matt Rogers from Nest, big exception. These guys are geniuses. But most people, most entrepreneurs are not geniuses. And most entrepreneurs, in my experience, have been able to find a way to, to, to survive for a very, very long time. And the great entrepreneurs listen to their customers. It's all about the customer, not about them. And that's what took, has taken me so long to figure out. For many years, it was all about what my ideas were, what I wanted, what my product was going to be, what my vision was. I, it's a very expensive lesson to learn. And most people, it kills them. It kills their, it kills their startup, not kills them literally. Some, sometimes it does, but not, no, I didn't mean that. Like, you know, it'll, it'll kill your startup pretty fast. But the, the best entrepreneurs listen to customers, and they, they are cockroaches, as Dave McClure would say, and Paul Singh. Thank you all for coming. Nice to meet you all. My, my email is Derek at startbrain.com, D-E-R-E-K. That's the only email I have. If, I can be, if we don't meet tonight... And if I can be helpful in some way, I'm not an investor, so I, I literally I don't actually have a bag full of money with me. But if I can be useful in some way, sometimes I can't, but someone I know can. But if I can just be helpful, if I can try your product, if it's something in the startup space and you want uh, somebody's quick opinion on it, uh, I'm happy to give that. And just generally, if I can be useful, just let me know. So do, do you want to pump up the uh, startup program for 30 seconds can, at the conference? Uh, yeah. Uh, we, um, a couple years ago, we started getting partners from 500 startups and YC come to say, hey, can you give us companies from your network? And again, I said, I don't know, but we can try. And in a weekend, we had 50 companies get submitted from our directors like Ryan. And I picked seven of those. And of the seven, uh, two got into 500 and one got into YC. And um, so we've just kind of expanded on that. And so we have a startup program where we had startups exhibiting at our conference in February. 
uh, where we do like a three-day conference in Silicon Valley. If you're trying to raise money, if you like investors, we have hundreds of investors that meet with these startups that get into this program. And uh, we don't take equity. We think founders should cherish their equity. Uh, and uh, it should be worth a lot. Uber's, Jason Calacanis, his $25,000 investment in Uber is worth like $50 million now. I think maybe Travis would rather have the $50 million, but that's just an assumption. I've never actually gotten to ask him that. So you should cherish your equity. And uh, so we try to set up investors and try to get you some exposure. And we, do, we have all the incubators there, the tech stars and 500 startups and those people too that work with us and a bunch of those companies get into that. So startupgrind.com slash startup. So Derek got up at 4 o'clock this morning to get on a plane to come here to uh, be with us tonight. So please help me thank him for coming, sharing his experience. Thanks for listening to this Startup Brian Columbus event podcast. We will be back next month with more entrepreneurial experiences and insights. Thanks again to our lead partners, AWH and Rev1 Ventures. Visit startupgrind.com forward slash Columbus to see our future events and to see videos of past ones. Until next time, keep grinding.